So this is entitled Mobility and Physical Therapy with Limited Resources. And uh, to be honest with you, when I first was assigned this or agreed to take it, I was kind of scrambling through my mind, what do I want to cover in uh, a half an hour or 40 minutes that applies to this topic? This wouldn't just be PT, but OT also. So um, um, we're going to cover a couple of different things as we go through um, I'm sorry that some of you are going to hear my story a second time, but I, I think uh, it's important for me to share. Um, <clears throat> again, went to school a long, long time ago and have been practicing um, for, I think, 37 years or something like that. Through that time, I owned a, a private practice for about 25 years. So I got to see the both sides of uh, the practice and glad to be on the other side of ownership, um, and uh, so I've been a clinician the, the whole time, so I didn't go into management and manage therapists. I, uh, when I owned that practice, I was the sole therapist as well. So I had the opportunity always to uh, spend time with patients, and that's what I continue to love to do. Um, my uh, mission experience started about 10 years ago in 2004 when I uh, decided for some reason that I'd take my daughter and daughter-in-law on a missions trip and I knew another doctor who was going on a GHO trip, so GHO is Global Health Outreach, part of the Christian Medical Dental Association. He just happened to be going. He was a member at that time and happened to be going on a trip to the Dominican Republic. And so I had a great time. I was the only therapist on that trip. I worked really hard in the heat and saw a lot of patients. I tried to keep track of them, but there got to be so many I couldn't even write them all down. So, um, And Ron Brown, one of the GHO leaders, was on that trip, and for the first time, I think he realized what a value a PT or an OT can be on some of these short-term trips. So when we came back, I realized that GHO was not really advertising and encouraging therapists to attend their trips. And so as a result, we start, I started working on that just as a volunteer, and I continue just to be a volunteer. GHO has an advisory council made up of different uh, professions in medicine, uh, medical, dental, PA, pharmacy, PT. And so we meet once a year just to work on the policies and things that we need to look for for our trips. Uh, we do send out 50 trips, over 50 trips a year, all led by trained medical people who, or pastors who are uh, trained to do uh, be team leaders and medical directors. And we go over 50, uh, we go over 50 trips a year, and we go from basically Nepal to Vietnam, and we're adding new places. I think Don Thompson is the director, and he just got back from Indonesia and Egypt and one other place. So well, we go to Jordan, uh, Afghanistan, a lot of different areas right now. So I'm not here to sell GHO. I'm just sharing my experience with you. Uh, it has been a good experience, and I, uh, I'd be happy to talk to you more about that. As, uh, as we go. Um, so uh, that's kind of my background. My daughter ended up moving to the Dominican Republic for three years and married a Dominican. So now when I go back each year, I get to see my son-in-law's family. And so that's why we chose not to go other places. My wife's a registered nurse, so she's works uh, and heads up the triage on our trips. So so uh, we're supposed to identify a problem, and uh, so the problem here is that there are therapists that can go on, uh, for ministry that have limited or no resources for patient treatment. And so we're hypothetically going to work through some scenarios today. Uh, what if? Uh, this varies by location and trip. Each location has its own unique challenges. The therapist 
must learn to adapt to each situation. The therapist will likely be more effective if some planning can occur prior to the trip. So just uh, kind of the formalities here. By the way, before I forget, there's a gathering for PTs and OTs and people interested in students uh, up in the um, the rooms that we were in before. Patsy, do you remember? Do you know what those are? Okay, so we're going to gather at 4 o'clock today. There's nothing, unless you've picked out something else to go to, that's kind of a, a time when it's a little quieter as far as other things uh, that are available. So um, if you'd like to come and talk and share and things like that, that's not been put on the schedule this year. They've done that other times, but it was not done this year. So if you'd like to join us at 4 o'clock, feel free. So the objectives that we're, uh, we're going through today would be to identify the application of techniques for treatment of patients with limited treatment time, facilities, and supplies. Use therapeutic exercise programs to assist the rehabilitation of patients uh, independ uh, independently or with family assistance. To secure and transport therapy supplies and equipment, which we talked about this morning a bit. And then prepare for a mission experience. Uh, if you're interested in asking a question, you feel free to raise your hand. Otherwise, there will be time at the end also. Okay, so when I looked at limitations, I, I kind of categorized it in four different categories. So we're, this is what we'll be covering today. The most limited would be that you're in a clinic and you have nothing there other than your hands and your brain, basically. And so this is the, uh, this is the most limited um, as far as the things, the tools that we are trained to use and we get in our training, but you don't have any of that. So we'll work through that possibility. And interestingly enough, I think the conclusion that I'll work at the end is that the one where we have the most limitations as far as the things, the tools, the equipment, are probably the most effective things that we can give to patients. So the first is most limited. Second is what I call significantly limited so your team leader says, okay, I've got room for you to bring a suitcase of therapy stuff. What are you going to take and how are you going to use that? And then I, what I said was partially limited that you, could, you can take a suitcase and one bag of uh, a golf bag or ski bag. So now you have enough to bring some other things along. And then somewhat limited, you still don't have a clinic. You don't necessarily have tables. You don't have... Uh, a gym, a fitness center to work in, but you may be able to bring some walkers and wheelchairs along. So your limitations will depend a lot on the type of trip that you're going to go on, the number of patients you're expected to see. Uh, if you can see, if you have a patient an hour, that's going to be a lot different than if you have a whole line of people sitting in chairs waiting for you, and you kind of feel that there's a burden to get after the next one, and so you may have 15 or 20 minutes per patient or, or possibly less. The types of patients, obviously, um, the type of trip you're going to go on may be an ortho trip. It might be a general medical family trip where there's a lot of uh, students along, or you might, might be in a human trafficking area. GHO takes a few of those each year where they just mostly take female providers to um, Nicaragua and um, I think it's Vietnam is the other area that they go primarily just for that. Your limitations will depend on whether your clinic is mobile and you're moving every day. It, it'll also depend if it's stable and you can set up some of the, um, if you have tables and that kind of thing. 
It'll depend on the number of therapists. It'll depend on home visit needs. So it may be that you need to be out and seeing most of your patients out in, the, uh, in their homes, or you may have a central clinic where people actually come in or a combination of those two. And then kind of the practice infrastructure, who else do you have with you that might uh, give you some assistance, whether it be medical, um, maybe an osteopath who can do some manipulation if you're not comfortable with that, uh, maybe a chiropractor is on the trip, if you can work with chiropractors, and uh, all of that kind of thing. So, you know, these are the kind of things that you need to look at as far as what are your expectations to be able to do as far as treating patients as you're going on a trip or as you're doing ministry, what are the resources that I'm going to have and what, what can I bring with me? So anytime that we have a limitation, um, limited time, whatever it might be, we have to make ethical choices. So if I have a list, if I have a whole uh, line of patients waiting or if I uh, am in a situation where I, I may have to make a choice between certain uh, types of treatment of certain patients who are going to use my skills and take, and take them and run with them and have benefit, or maybe other patients who aren't going to have as much benefit, how do I divide my time when I make those ethical choices? And then if we have equipment along, who gets equipment? Who, who, you know, if we have five wheelchairs or ten wheelchairs, and you're there for five days, there's going to be more than ten patients that need a wheelchair. So you have to make those decisions. How much time can I spend with each patient? That depends on how many people are waiting in your waiting room a little bit and kind of what your clinic, the nature of your clinic is. So it will be probably certain times of the day where you'll have more of a rush time, uh, maybe right after lunch or early morning when they're triaging and trying to figure out where people are going, you might have some extra time on your hands a little bit. And what can I teach the patient about the family about the patient care? And then, of course, what can I teach the patient about the patient care as well? So I kind of divided the limited resources into limited time, limited space, or phys I call it a physical plant, and limited equipment and limited communication, limited understanding, cultural differences. How do I communicate and teach, basically? Uh, so... This uh, session today is basically to start to get you to start thinking about questions that I would need to address if I know that I'm going to be in a rural clinic, if I know I'm going to be in a situation where, um, where there are significantly limited resources. By the way, this is available online, so you don't have to copy every word if you're not interested in that, so you can pick that up later. So when we think of limited time... Um, you need to find the balance, maybe like you do in your own clinic now, that you're, you're balancing your time spent with the patient and the needs of the next patient or the schedule that you're treating, depending upon your situation. That might be a decision that you have to make every day a little bit. How can I be efficient with my time, get my dictation or my note uh, writing done, um, and how do I address the primary needs of each patient? Um, Oftentimes a patient will come in and sit down in your office or stand next to you and you'll ask what the problem is through the translator. They've got pain all over their body. You know, it hurts me all over. So um, 
you have to make a decision to kind of focus on what is what is your primary concern? What's the main thing that's bothering you here today, and can we address that in the a, in a nature of physical therapy? If it's joint pain all over the body, then they may be best managed with some exercise but some medicine as well for a while to get that settled down, or you can use the other people in the clinic to assist you as well. Um, this is kind of the thing that yeah, I shared the first time. When I was... Uh, when we go to our clinics, we have people that are waiting from 3 o'clock in the morning. They've walked five miles to get to the clinic. Uh, they've been sitting out in the sun under an umbrella or not for many hours. Uh, my wife, who works in the triage area, um, has stopped asking them how long they waited because it, it ends up that sometimes they've waited since yesterday to get in. And we gave them a number last night, but we couldn't get them in in time, so now they're coming in the next day. And... Uh, so the question in my mind the first time I went was, what in the world do I have to offer somebody in 15 or 20 minutes that can affect them and, and was worth waiting six hours for? Um, so I hope that I would have something for each case, and you're not going to have something for each case. There are going to be some cases you just don't have anything. If you were back home and you had the tools that you needed, maybe. Uh, but that's where the counseling exercise and, and things come in. Um, sometimes, like we talked about, people just need to know that they're caring for their child who has CP and they're doing a good job with that and keep up the great work because I see these are the things I see in my evaluation that says that you're doing a good job and really, you know, that's maybe the, all they need to hear that day. Um, they need to sense your compassion without feeling rushed, and sometimes that's a tough balance because uh, the day is hot, you're running out of energy, you're dehydrated, um, and you've got six more patients to see, and it's four in the afternoon or something like that. So that's limited time resources. Any questions there? We can ask later, too. Okay, so uh, the next thing was li in limited resources was uh, limited space. So we're used to working usually in a great place where we have a gym to work with, we have treatment tables, we have uh, treatment rooms, and now we have to start rethinking how do I do some of the things that I'm used to doing. Um, so limited area includes no fitness center, rehab, gym, uh, small clinical space, Normally we work out of a school classroom. Your experiences may have been or will be different than that. You may be in a very small closet someplace because that's the only space in your clinic. Um, maybe it's a small bedroom in a patient's home, so you go out on a, a family uh, visit um, and a home visit and you're the only PT and you're walking into a situation where this patient needs something and so you're working around a bed that's too big for the room already and... Um, you may be even treating patients um, outdoors. I have a, a picture of one of our PT assistants who is actually uh, working on a cement bench during the week. And you may be in a, in a cl enclosed area where you uh, even don't have room hardly for uh, any s sitting, certainly no laying down and those types of things. So uh, this is an example of one of our home visits. This is the kitchen area, and the bed bedroom was pretty much filled up with beds, so there wasn't a lot of space for that. But um, So then you, uh, you have to be very creative and um, be prepared to kind of work with the patient in whatever location you're in. 
Again, I, I may be uh, facilitating more questions today in your mind than I'm actually giving you answers for, but what I'm trying to help you understand is really preparation. You know, how do I start thinking through some of the experiences that I might have uh, when I go on the trip? And some of that uh, is certainly talking to people who have been on, the, on your trip before. Uh, maybe you're going on a new trip, and so it's really just a, kind of a big question mark as far as what you're going to have. And usually the team leader... People who have been there working with the locals um, will have some idea of what kind of a facility or what kind of uh, situation you're going to be in. <clears throat> Again, limited limited equipment. Then we, uh, you know, we have no treadmill, elliptical, weight machines. Uh, you don't have any dumbbells with you, most likely, because those are heavy to carry. Um, you may not have a treatment table. You may not even have a table at all. Um, some of the things I just listed that we kind of don't even think about. You know, we just have these in our clinics and we just use them on a daily basis. And so now the challenge is um, what am I going to do without uh, parallel bars, but I want to have somebody walk, or what am I going to do without a mat table and I'm trying to do some rehab with somebody or whatever it might be. Usually no modalities and no, oftentimes no electricity. So the last one then is limited communication. Um, the clinics that we have, we, we have a one-on-one -on -one translator with us, and so that really becomes quite uh, almost second nature. The, the people that are with you during the week kind of pick up some of the lingo, the PT lingo, and they start triaging or asking patients questions, even if you have to step out for a minute, and they try to start to get history a little bit so they know what they're asking. Um, and, and questioning along the way. Um, but there's some, uh, some cultural uh, differences, um, some things that you're going to have to do to really kind of slow down the process to communicate with the people. Certainly the language can be a barrier, but the understanding can also. Some people learn better with stories, and uh, so sometimes you have to do that. Uh, my experience in the DR, which again, uh, for those of you who weren't in my first class, um, I'm certainly not an authority. I've had experience in one location, um, and so I'm just sharing basically what, I've, what I know and what I've learned from that. So uh, your communication limitations will depend on language. It will depend on culture, the location of the clinic, the patient's educational background. So you may have to get very basic with your instructions and as you're teaching lifting or posture or exercise, um, and then also have the reinforcement of the family as well while you're there. So as we look at the limitations of, um, we're just going to talk about the different levels of ability to take things on your trip after I talk a little bit about mobility. So. Again, the talk is mobility and, and therapy uh, with limited resources. So when I think of mobility, I think about ambulation transfers, gait, movement. Um, when I think about other mobility, I think of spinal and extremity joints. So you may be in a situation where you're able to take some things with you and you could offer them some uh, some cane walking, some crutches, walkers, wheelchairs, you may not have that available to you. Again, it's going to depend on your uh, trip and on your ability to get some of these um, 
things on the trip, like we talked about this morning, these often comes, come packed as a second bag uh, with your team and can be transported onto the plane and then onto the trip if you have transportation on the ground. So the basic mobility may just be showing a patient with a gate belt how to transfer, how to be transferred by the family, or um, it may go from there into um, all the way up to using crutches, walker, and wheelchairs as well. When I think of mobility for spinal function, I think about um, the ability to work and do leisure activities. Um, again, as a PT on some of these trips, you're probably the one and only person who understands musculoskeletal medicine. And so as you're doing uh, PT or OT, sorry, just assume that I'm meaning OT as well. Um, so you may be the, the go-to person when it comes to uh, people who come in with lots of back and neck pain. Uh, you can be very busy in some of these clinics because basically that's the nature of people's activities and um, they're very, mostly very labor-intensive societies, and so they almost always have that. Um, so, you know, as we talked about and we'll talk a little bit about here is that the McKenzie method, uh, I'm very prejudiced in the direction of using Robin McKenzie's work uh, for treatment of mechanical, spinal, and, and extremity pain. So if you went to PT or OT school, you got introduced to McKenzie, they probably showed you press-ups, and you got a day or an hour's worth of training. If you go through the real training, really understanding, get credentialed, you'll understand that it's, it's really applicable and with most of your patients. It's a, it's a treatment of mechanical pain, and most of the patients coming into our clinics are, are mechanically orientated in their pain and can be treated. Um, successfully, and it's it's the only uh, approach I know of that um, really you can influence somebody in the in the proper direction of movement and understanding in the context of one visit. Um, and then using a program um, over time that can control symptoms and allow function. So again, um, how whatever that is, whatever you're successful with. Uh, whether it be a strengthening program, certain range of motion types of activities, functional training, uh, if you've learned other things that are um, that are, are really good in the sense of uh, successful with your patients, um, certainly you'll bring those with you on the on the trip. The un unfortunate thing is that you know we do are very limited in our time with the patients, so we may have one visit. I, I don't know that I've ever, except for maybe three patients in 11 years, seen a patient a second time, and that's only because he was really had a spinal issue that really needed to be followed up, and I saw him on Monday, and he came back Friday. But we usually don't have that luxury because you've got patients that have been waiting and waiting all week and trying to get in and. So, you know, again, that's one of those ethical decisions. Do I see this guy a second time or do I see somebody else a first time? Try to give them something. And then extremity function. Um, you know, this is, I'm not trying to teach therapists how to treat here. Um, certainly, um, there's a mechanical aspect to many of, ex many of the extremity joint um, problems as well, and we're all pretty well uh, versed in what we do for shoulder, elbow, ankle, and knee and hip pain. Um, so therapeutic exercises and, and education. So your knowledge, your understanding of what's going on as much as you can, 
in teaching the patient, teaching the family, and then giving them the exercises. Uh, that's probably our, that's our most limited level, and that's uh, basically what um, what we need to apply. So I have a few suggestions on preparations for your trip, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, the four levels of limitation um, here yet. So when you're preparing for your trip or your experience over, overseas or wherever you're working, um, you may want to, you need to work ahead of time um, and, and determine what kind of trip are you going on, what's the location, what type of patients are you going to see, and then what type of facility are you going to be in. That pretty much uh, will give you an idea of what your limitations might be as far as uh, facilities and equipment and time and then understanding what kind of people you're going to see. Obviously, if you're going on a orthopedic trip uh, and you're going to be working with post-op knees and, and hips uh, in a large hospital like on, in our uh, Honduras trip, we have a, an orthopedic group that goes down to Honduras, and they work in an 1,800-bed public hospital uh, and do um, total knees and total hips. So your, your job there is going to be a lot different than if you're in a general medical facility clinic where you're moving uh, or staying in a school and treating back and neck pain all week, or if you're going on a pediatric trip, or if you're going on a human trafficking trip. It's all going to be a little bit different. So that research ahead of time and talking to those who kind of know what you're getting into, what kind of caseload you're going to have uh, along the way is very important. So we use team leaders and medical directors. Uh, there's two, one of each on each of our trips generally, um, and we try to talk about the dynamics of how our therapist is going to function in the clinic, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate as far as supervision, referrals, that kind of thing. Do people, patients come directly to us, or are they going to be triaged and go to medicine first or, or whatever? Um, Check on the, the limit of travel, just kind of how long does it take you to get to your clinic. If you, We fly into the Dominican, we fly into the airport, they load everything up into buses and, and pickup trucks, and we don't really even have to handle it. If you're going to Nepal, that's like a four-day trip just to get there, and you're on three or four different airplanes and trains and automobiles and all of that. So um, it really helps to know ahead of time. And then the communication. Are you going to have a translator? Do they speak English? Um, you know, what am I going to take along to help patients understand what they need to do? Those kind of things in, in preparation. So. so if we take the most limited, uh, you, you've agreed to go on this trip, but um, all you can take is a backpack. So you have to get all of your clothes for the whole week into a backpack or a backpack in a little bag. Um, and you have nothing else with you, and you need to treat patients for the week. So, again, no equipment, no supplies, no treatment room, one-time visit. And so what do we have in our toolbox that's going to help those patients? Now, we're not going to be able to treat every patient as effectively as we want to, but what do I have uh, and what is my training brought to me that would allow me to be able to do that? And that's a tough question to answer because – Depending upon your background, your education, and your experience, you may feel like you can handle that pretty easily. Um, if you have not had um, extensive experience in the clinic, um, you know, you may uh, kind of wonder what, what is the best way to do that. So, you know, certainly working with other therapists would be is helpful and uh, just to be able to um, 
kind of pick up the things that you need to. Again, I'm very prejudiced again with the mechanical treatment. So, so this uh, most limited uh, continued therapeutic exercise and education basically are the uh, are the two approaches that would uh, can be used with that. Um, and I just uh, gave you the website for the McKenzie approach. Basically, self-care, family or friend assistance, gait and exercise is where we're at for the most limited level. Any comments on that or questions about? I mean, this is this is probably, uh, in my experience, this is not the level you're going to work at most of the time. Um, but you sometimes might, you know, be out on a family visit or something. You don't have any supplies and equipment, and you've got to figure out something for the patient. Most of the time, you're going to be able to take something along with you. Again, I'm asking a lot of questions, giving you scenarios, maybe not giving you a whole ton of answers right now, but um, things to think about and ways to prepare. The next one is what I call significantly limited. So um, your team leader says, well, you can bring a carry-on and your own suitcase, and then you can bring one suitcase of therapy supplies. So what are you going to put in that bag, and what are you going to bring with you so that you can be the most effective for the week? And so what we do is we carry, um, we carry supplies with us, and usually we take one suitcase full of that. It might have a cam walker and wrist braces and other types of things, slings, uh, you know, some of, the th some of the stuff that I've listed here that might be, um, be able to get into that type of thing. And now this is going to open up an opportunity to treat a certain number of patients who have these needs, so set up a resistive exercise program, maybe fit and orthotic or tape or heel lifts. Again, a lot of those things they're going to have, and then they're going to lose, they're going to wear out. You're going to see them one time. They're never maybe ever going to see a therapist again. That's why I really value the exercise and the education probably uh, the most at this point. But here are some things that you can get into your one suitcase that they're letting you bring along, and maybe that's because you're traveling on four planes to get where you're going, and then you got to drag this up into the mountains, so you got to stay a little bit light with it. But you can do a few of the things that we've listed, collapsible canes and over-the-door pulleys and those kind of things, a few exercise handouts, maybe uh, pictures uh, for education, for training. Um, I use, uh, I take a few linens and towels along just to, depending upon what you're working on, but towels can be rolled up for lumbar rolls and neck rolls for sleeping and that kind of thing if you want to use some of that. Um, we talked about this in the first uh the first session this morning, but most of these things can be got. You can you don't really have to spend money on this stuff. You can get it donated in most cases if you just do some work on it, and that requires some planning ahead of time. So you're going to have to think about this a couple months out uh, before your trip, so you can start to gather things or get things donated. So this is the next level of uh, functional training, mobility uh, assistance. Uh, therapy that you have with a patient where they have more than just exercise and um, training, but they, um, um, and it's kind of surprising or interesting how it seems like the Lord provides just the right brace or just the right this or that on the trip to meet some of the needs for the patients that we have. The wheelchairs are most commonly 
we see that that the you know just the right child shows up for the right size wheelchair and uh, it's really kind of cool so this is an example again of a messy treatment room and stuff thrown all over the place and then we try to start organized and then we're kind of going through it and trying to find what we're looking for and you're busy and so it gets pretty piled up after a while again uh, the suitcase level opens up some levels of care, exercise programs, adaptive care, um, assistive ambulation with the canes that can fold down, exercise, brace application, those kind of things. So now your team leader has said, well, you can take a suitcase and you can have the other therapist bring a golf bag or a ski bag that has uh, crutches in it. So this is the next level, where I, what I call partially limited. So now you've opened it up to a number of patients who walk into your clinic or crawl into your clinic or whatever it is. They come in with broken down crutches or they don't have crutches and they should have crutches. And um, Again, these can be, you don't really need to spend money on these if you have enough time to kind of gather them and you can um, pull them in for the trip or let people know or however that needs to be done. So. It's common for us to take uh, quite a bit of stuff with us. All that stuff is left there if it's not used. It depends on the year, but sometimes we'll go through uh, quite a supply of, of crutches, and I've learned gradually through the years kind of to do things smarter. So I'll order off of eBay or someplace, I'll order some extra tips and, and axillary pads and hand pads for crutches because a lot of crutches uh, that show up don't have anything or somebody comes in and their pads are all worn out but their chairs or their crutch are, is okay. Um, so that's the kind of thing. Then we take the, we take the golf bags back with us. Um, you can wrap those up, put them in a suitcase, and it works out pretty well to use that each year or a ski bag of some sort. Again, I think I gave an example this morning. The longer crutches, the adult large crutches don't fit in golf bags very well, so I wrap those in the bubble wrap, and they put those on the plane without questions this, this year. So that, went, that worked out pretty well. The next level kind of comes together. So if now you're building a team and you're getting the teammates to bring some of the crutches, some of the walkers and wheelchairs, we talked about this in the first uh a gathering today too. Now you're now you're doing more re, uh, recruiting. You're trying to get more people involved. You're getting people to grab these things and uh, and put them on as a second bag. And so now you've moved up quite a bit in your level of being able to help people. Um, commonly, walkers and wheelchairs are of great value. And uh, oftentimes, uh, if you have a larger team going, you can get quite a few on. So. We've been able, again, like I said this uh, earlier today, we've been able to get up to 21 wheelchairs the last two, two trips, and then uh, walkers, probably several, uh, a dozen or, or more walkers um, on. And I went over this morning how to prepare those, so you can certainly look online if you're interested in kind of picking that up, how to wrap them, how to get them ready, and that kind of thing. So um, this obviously opens up an opportunity to meet the mobility needs for a majority of the people that you'll see coming through the clinic with uh, with the walkers and wheelchairs. And um, we have commonly had a lot of uh, good opportunities to 
really changed some people's lives through, um, through primarily through the wheelchairs for patients who have not had any way to, to get around at all in the past. This is an example of our Porta Plata trip from three years ago where we had the wheelchairs and uh, we went through all of them. Um, there are definitely needs and so um, the Lord seems to provide what you need oftentimes, although um, if I get a minute, I'll tell the story that I didn't get a chance to tell um, this morning uh, regarding that. So additional thoughts. Um, when an increasing level of supplies and equipment you have, to, with that, you have to make a decision about who gets them and how to triage it the best and how to manage it the best. We talked about managing it with the local pastors and doctors so that the equipment that you bring doesn't get sold after it's being used or whatever. Um, so that's the local management of the equipment. Um, and so you leave that and you enable the local um, people to kind of take over that. And usually we're working with a local church or two or three in the area, so the pastors are more than willing to take care of that. And some, somewhere in this uh, continuum, as we work along, you, you may have an opportunity to actually work on a treatment table or on a school table. That's usually what our experience has been, or in a chair. Um, most of the time, those can be, at least in my experience in our trips, you'll have some sort of a surface to work on other than the floor or ground with your patients. So this is an example. Right in the middle is uh, one of our PTAs, and she's actually working on a cement table outside on our Porta Plata trip. We just didn't have room inside. She was gung-ho about it, and she was uh, teaching exercise. She worked with one of the other therapists, and they came from the same clinic setting and, uh, in Minneapolis. And so they came along, and she was, uh, she was just basically doing his Therax, and they were, they were used to working together, so they kind of knew what they wanted to do and accomplish through that. But that's one of the examples. They put up tarps that day because the sun was so hot, but we didn't have really, that was that church, and uh, most of the rooms were taken up with uh, consultation or dental or other types of things. So, uh, This is uh, from last, uh, from a year ago this summer. We actually, we worked outside kind of an undercover. It was actually not that bad because there was more of a breeze. And so we had partitions to kind of keep the privacy of the patient. You can maybe see in the middle of that the white sheet on one of the tables. And so that was in a school that had been built by a foundation from Spain. So it was really a very nice facility in a very bad neighborhood. And um, so we had three therapists uh, there working kind of along that wall and had all of our equipment in underneath uh, we do get rain showers periodically, so you kind of have to have you have to have some sort of a covering to kind of protect it. <clears throat> so, in conclusion, our limitations are: we just well, this is basically just what we went over: the most limited level, the significantly limited level with a suitcase, the partially limited with a suitcase and a golf bag, and then. Uh, somewhat limited. You still don't have your gym, your fitness center, your weight machines, whatever you're used to, but you have a lot more things available where you can treat. I would say that at the somewhat limited level, uh, we're able to meet most of the needs for most of our patients. Um, and in our situation, the Dominican, certainly every clinic trip experience is going to be different, but 
So again, the, uh, the interesting conclusion here uh, is that it may be the most basic, most limited treatment that you have available that is actually the best long-lasting benefit for your patients. Um, again, thinking of education and therax, posture and training, that kind of thing that you really don't need equipment for, but that actually is probably going to be the most beneficial in the long run. Um, even though we have all those other things, they, they will disappear, they get stolen, uh, they break down, uh, they wear out, whatever it might be. And so, uh, you know, it's really the most benefit, I think, is when a patient, patient can be taught how to make themselves better and how to keep themselves better through what we have to offer them. Uh, I didn't get this up till later, so that's my email. Uh, the G, uh, we wrote a GHO uh, PT handbook, PTOT handbook. And uh, so if you would like me to, uh, we have it in a PDF form, so if you'd like me to email that to you, I'd be happy to do that, just to request that through email. Um, so before I tell any stories, uh, let's see. We have about, uh, I think, 20 more minutes, whatever we need here. Are there any questions? Yes? It uh, certainly is um, possible, depending upon uh, who you're working with locally, if they have connections. Like um, GHO has an um, in-country employee in Nicaragua, so I'm sure he stocks stuff and he has, you know, that kind of stuff. So if you need stuff that, that could be purchased in-country, that's certainly a possibility. Um, we did talk this morning about how we don't send equipment ahead of time because it often gets hijacked and and held for ransom, so a lot of times, you know, you can get your stuff back, but you got to pay extra for it to get it out of storage. So we've learned through that. You learn a lot just from year to year as you're experiencing this, and you'll learn. I'm sure many of you have done this, and you have other things that you would suggest at these different levels too, and so it's a, it's a process of kind of picking it up um, and learning through each experience as you go through. Yep. Um, I guess I'm hearing all these limitations, um, like 15 to 20 minutes with each client, no follow-up, and all these other things you listed. It makes me wonder, like, are these short-term trips even worthwhile um, with the money that goes toward putting these trips on that are being allocated toward starting long-term clinics there with a therapist who's going to see them in four to six weeks or whatever they need? That's I mean, like... Like, I'm, I don't want to challenge you. Like, no, but, that's right. Um, have you considered that, and have you, like, evaluated, like, follow up with the clients that you saw maybe a year later and see, did they continue to do the exercise you gave them? Did they see improvement? Right. Uh, one of the disadvantages of the way we do this is we don't have any follow-up care, and no doubt about that. And there is a lot of talk about, you know, short-term missions doing harm. And, uh, you know, do we really serve... That's why I think, the, in my mind, again, maybe I have blinders on, but the focus of, of the McKenzie approach really, really helps me to understand that 
I've given them the tools, whether they, it's just like in my clinic at home. I'm giving them the tools to do what they need to do. Whether they do it, it's up to them, okay? Now, there may be understanding, and, you know, I don't see my patients once at home. I'm, you know, I might see them four or five times, but um, so there's a disadvantage there. Um, ideally, what we would really like is we'd like American-trained therapists in residence in other countries running clinics, which would also be a great experience for student internships for eight weeks or whatever, you know, where you could bring somebody into the DR in Nicaragua or somebody, and you've got an American-trained therapist with a CI license, and they get a great experience in another culture. Um, that would be our, our long-term desire. It's a work in process. You know, PTs and OTs just haven't been part of the thinking in the past a lot with a lot of these mission organizations. So, Yes? That's a topic we've talked about yesterday and today quite a bit. A medical education international part of the CMDA has teams that go out and do that. Now, I don't know that they've taken therapists. Patsy, have, yeah, we're taking therapists, doing education, um, trying to get more and more people to be willing to do that type of thing. So you don't go as a mission to treat except that you're treating and training at the same time. So you're actually demonstrating the techniques. Uh, so I would encourage you to talk to Patty, who's, Patsy has been involved with uh, Medical Education International and see if you can start maybe arranging a group to come for that kind of training. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's the answer. We're really in the infancy of therapy, and I think in, except for those who have places already. I mean, there's been a lot of therapists who have been working for years in, in hospitals and stuff. But as far as understanding the next generation going, not only for long-term, but for short-term to get that experience and then eventually become long-term uh, committed to therapy on the, on the field. Uh, you know, it's really, it's a small number. It really is a small number right now. So uh, that's why we're working within CMDA and GHO and other organizations try to try to get that because it's really a lot of value to be added to the, to the treatment for sure. But someone else? Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing that can kind of address both Another reason we have this conference is to partner and connect and stuff like that. It sounds like you work in the DR a lot, and you know I have we have connections in the DR where we send you know containers of wheelchairs and they have them on hand in the country, and you know your the concerns about getting them stolen and having enough. But that's that's one reason we can come together and work and and to know who's doing what in the same area that we're we're working in and find out who's already there, who's already doing stuff because there are. Uh, there's amazing a number of people going sending out PTs, OTs. Uh, we work with a lot of university programs and stuff like that, going to different countries. And if we can work together and, and help each other out, it's 
Very much so. Yeah, and there's a lot of the PT schools are sending students as a part of their curriculum now or getting it, you know, as an option, which is eventually going to be part of it. But it, it doesn't address your issue as far as really training the locals, and I think that's where MEI would come in and be valuable and just try to then think about PTs going for a week or two, but mainly to teach others what you're doing with patients and and kind of mentoring and teaching that kind of way. So. So now this patient's walking, and as many of you have seen stroke patients get up and walk. And so, uh, you know, as you're journeying or thinking about short-term missions, you know, that's uh, that's a good start into, like, they're trying to start a physical therapy school. And so hmm. if you're um, really interested in that part, I, I think it's super exciting to see you guys get over there and start teaching their own people, you know, physical therapy and residency programs and how that's going to work and stuff. So. But short-term missions is how you find out how culturally this is going to fit in. So right. uh, I'd encourage you to just, you know, if there's an area of the world you're really interested in, you know, look at the medical missionaries, go to the CMDA and email the doctors that work there and say, hey, I'm a physical therapist, could you use me? And then just begin that dialogue. So, um, pretty exciting for you guys. I, I mean, I love to see how the work works with these patients. And, and uh, I don't know, it's exciting to see the patients all of a sudden say, my life has not ended, you know, and they can walk on and say, I can go home and still take care of my cows. Yeah. Yes? Um, how do you, I guess, mitigate the conflict that might come up when you run out of resources? So somebody comes to you and says, why did this child get a wheelchair and not my child? Like, do you guys have strategies for avoiding that or addressing We do. Um, and most commonly what we'll do is we will ship uh, with another team, the uh, chairs that are needed. So we'll kind of take measurements and we'll see what the need is, and then we'll work on getting uh, a chair back for that person. And actually, that leads me to a little story. Um, I had a picture up in the last one. Um, let me just quickly find that for you because I think the picture uh, says a lot.
So the uh, the older man in the standing position uh, came in on Thursday and had some back pain that um, he wanted me to take care of. And so I showed him some things that I thought would help, and he seemed to respond to. And then he um, he shared his story with me, and he said that he had had 27 children with the same wife. Uh, she wasn't living anymore, but um, anyway, so he was 94 or 96 or something like that. And he talked about his son, who was 60 years old, and 20 years ago he had fallen out of a fruit tree and broken his neck. And uh, he wondered if I had any wheelchairs left. Well, that was back in the days when we were taking like five or six chairs on a trip, and those were gone by Wednesdays usually. So he, uh, you know, he asked, and I, I just, I didn't know what to tell him. I did, we didn't have them. Uh, so and so he left, and um, then later I thought. I wish I would have gotten his address. We can send a chair back down. So Friday afternoon they came in and said, let's let's do one more trip. Let's do one more home visit. And so we went out on a home visit, and it happened to be his house. So this was the year that my daughter had come the third time, and she actually decided that she was going to go down and teach in Santo Domingo. So the plans were to... Uh, to go back in a month. She was going to come back to Wisconsin, get packed up, and go back down. So there was a possibility that she could bring a chair to this guy. So there's his son sitting in the chair. And the dramatic part of this story is not only that God brought us back to the house so we knew where to bring a chair, but that there was a groove in the cement from his father dragging him from the living room to the bedroom. That was the only transportation they had was taking this wooden chair they probably went through a bunch of wooden chairs, but that's how he transferred him from the room he's in now into the bedroom so he could get in bed, and then he'd get back out. And that was his life for 20 years. So um, obviously a life changed because of a piece of equipment. So Thanks for coming. Appreciate it.